Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Episode 85, Working Class on DeerCast. Mr. John Foreman's in studio with me. Thanks for coming, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We got to hang out in Bear Camp. Oh, man. So it's funny because when we were in Bear Camp, we recorded episodes, and this one will launch before those episodes. <laughs> so Bear Camp was fun. Barathon. Barathon. It's Barathon week here at Working Class Bowhunter, but here on Working Class on DeerCast, it's whitetail. we're talking whitetails to kick off Barathon week. I like it. So if you're tuning in as this airs in real time, the week after this, starting tomorrow, with CC Hunt Biles will be flooded with bear episodes front to back all the way. Like, I don't think we're going to launch five or six bear episodes this week. So probably, I think it's going to set the record of most episodes we've pushed out in a week. Incredible footage. Incredible week. Great week. All Good group of dudes. Like, all around great It was week. just incredible. So yeah, thanks for coming on bear, to Bear Camp with us. Oh man, thanks for the invite. It was fun. I had a great well, time. Dude, we I gotta uh, go back. We yeah, we gotta we go gotta back. go back. It was good. We'll time. do it. But we're here to talk whitetails oh, with you, man. Because you're a big butt killer. And hanging out with you in Bear Camp, I learned you have a lot of like big buck. Um just it, it just came out in conversation. Like you're like, Oh yeah, I do this. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if we'll be able to get into all that because like that just happened throughout the week of right, talking to right. you, and maybe they'll this will spark more ideas for me to get you back and interview Perfect. you. But uh, give us a little bit of background on who you are and how you got here with an episode titled "Big Bucks." Yeah, sure. Um, again, thanks for having me, John Foreman. Of course. And uh, <clears throat> to give you a little bit about myself, I was thinking about this on the way up here. You know, I shot my first deer with a bow when I was eight. Whoa, for real? Yeah, I got the picture. I was going to show you. You'll make fun of me because I'm a little guy with big ears. Eight. That's eight. the early work right yeah, there. Yeah, early work. I don't, you know, I was barely pulling legal draw weight. <laughs> I was working at it, working my ass off every day, trying to, yeah, yeah. you know, get that. And my dad had me, you know, limited to about 15 yards. Smart. And, yeah, real smart. Yeah. And it was cool because I was thinking about that hunt on the way up here. Like, that's what really got me into archery. That's what we got me into hunting. Yeah. And uh, 
<laughs> he had us in separate ladder stands. We had old wooden homemade ladder stands. Yeah. You know, and so he had us in separate ladder stands. We were like 10 yards apart. So mm -hmm. cool. I was like my first, like I'm doing this on my own type of thing. See, that's pretty dang cool. Yeah, it was cool. And this big doe came in and I mean, I just 12 yards. I flat out smoked her. A car <laughs> shot. She was on a death run. And uh, so uh, your dad was a hardcore hunter then. Yeah, he was a hardcore hunter. Um, shot some pretty good deer, mm -hmm. you know, but for the most part, um, I really kind of took it to a different level. I got you. And, uh, but that's what really started. I was eight and I was thinking about that. I'm, I'm 38. So this is my 30th year hunting. Wow. Yeah. Congrats. You're still at it. Yeah. I'm still at it. You know, I've, I've kind of worked through a lot of things. I, I tore my rotator cuff last year, tore one of the muscles in it and was able to recover and, mm. uh, drop my bow down to like 55 pounds and no you know, just, you know, but still after it, still after it. So that's my passion. That has been my passion my entire life. And, yeah. um, that's what I do. Anybody that knows Eight me, years that's old, what I man. do. Well, yeah, and that's what the people I want to surround myself with, people who are, like, dedicated their life to, like, what we do. This isn't a flash-in-the-pan thing. It's, it's how you live your life. Exactly. You don't even put yourself on social media. I used to. I used to. You want to talk I, about what happened with that, or can you? Sure, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, it's just... Because it proves to me that it's like you're, not in, you're doing it because you like big bucks. Right, and that's kind of... That was the whole... I had to, I started asking myself, like, why, why am I putting this on social media? Was it, was it for the attention? Was it for the likes? Whatever it was, I didn't, you know, I don't know. Um, but I just felt like I didn't need to do that. Like, I don't need to do that. I, I felt like I needed to respect the animals more. You know, you are taking the life of an animal. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you yeah. have to respect that. So for sure. Um, yeah, I just kind of got off social media and it's with work and careers and everything. It is a, a distraction. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and you can. I think your phones even tell you like how much time you spend on those. Yeah, yeah. What do they call it? Like screen time or whatever. Screen time. Yeah, and yeah. so, like, I was looking at that. I'm like, wow, I could, you know, be using that time in more valuable places, like in the woods, like learning my deer. So I'm sitting here two and a half hours on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and I mean, it's yeah. all good. It's, but it's just like I think I can be more productive in other areas of my life. So Definitely. I kind of just got off social. I mean, I'm kind of back on it now, but I don't have a lot of my harvest stuff on there. Yeah, I uh, I like that. You know, like you want to fly under the radar, but and you're an Illinois guy too, so Illinois guy, yeah, uh, local guy. Yeah, yeah, fairly fairly local. Yeah, fairly so, local. Um, but no, I I just respect that because it just showed that right there just proves flat out that like. You're just hunting because you like to hunt, you know? Yeah. And, and a lot of guys, when you talk, like like you, you've been hunting 30 years. I think I just went through my 20th or 21st season. So it's like you can, like guys like us that have the time in, you know, it's before the internet was like what it is now. And it's like, I don't know. I love the internet. I think it's nece it's necessary. We've been talking a lot about the internet and like evaluating how toxic or positives and negatives of it in the hunting game. And I'm kind of getting burned out in the conversation, but the podcast lives on the internet. Right. So I have to have, have it. it. It's yeah. a necessary evil. You have to have it. But what's great about the podcast is I can uh, eventually want to hire someone and just manage it all for me. And then, but it loses that personal interaction. But I just like hanging out with big buck killers like yourself right. and the other people we get to talk to. But uh, so let's dive into some big buck stuff. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So I was thinking about that on the way up here. What are, you know, what are four or five things I can talk about that have helped me succeed over the years that could potentially help a listener or anybody watching this video? Mm -hmm. And uh, there really, there's no uh, major secrets. Everybody has the exact tools I have. So I sh first should start off. You mean to saying, tell me there's not an easy button? There's not an easy button. You know, dang it. <laughs> Why did I show up here? I know. <laughs> so, you know, the thing is, I'm like every other person. I own an 80 acre farm. And we have a family farm that's 160 acres, and I have four or five other farms that I can hunt. Nothing's even over 200 acres. Mm -hmm. um, 
so I don't own 3,000 acres or four, whatever, thousands of acres. I don't have that. Yeah. I'm just like every other normal guy. Um, And I was thinking about that. You know, the one thing, um, is it just like anything in life, like your career, your marriage, your work, your faith, your working out, your whatever it is, you know, it takes really hard work. Yeah. It takes hard work. For sure. And I mean, I know that sounds really simple, but think about it. So we're rolling into the 2023 deer season. That started the day the 2022 deer season ended for me, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure just like you and Chandler or anybody else, like it's a 365 thing. Yeah. Um, I just mentioned earlier before we even jumped on here, I was running a dozer for the last two days, you know, and Mm -hmm. creating, you know, food plots. So it's just a lot of hard work all the time, whether that's, you know, looking at trail cam photos, like just last night, I was sitting in my chair with my wife and I use Reconyx uh, cell cams and they've got um, the ability to like filter and tag deer so i was looking through like all my favorites and you know just seeing kind of what deer i'll have this year to hunt yeah what ones survived and ones didn't and so it's just stuff like that all the time you're constantly working for these big deer if you're not working if you're not working your ass off you're not working hard you know it's hard to have success with not putting in the time or work or i mean money but a lot of it's time time you know you can do a lot of stuff easier with money but you can do a lot of stuff cheaper for a little more time and a little more work you know um i love that conversation and that's where it starts you know, like, you know, we could talk about any tip and tactic, like, you know, we're talking about pinch points or whatever, whatever terrain feature. If you haven't put in the work to figure out how to get in and out of it, you know, it's work. It might not seem like a ton of work. You got to do the work you to get the work. You get paid. Look at maps. I mean, that was one of the other tools that I use a lot. So I, I was on DeerCast maps the other night. I've till like 1 30 in the morning Ooh. in bed well, just fantasizing oh dude mine too i didn't <laughs> tell my wife i was up that late I'm like she wakes up what are you doing i'm like nothing you know but like just studying and like right what if i checked out the i don't know i just do that i nerd out sometimes yeah, well i use um we have a through western illinois university we have a gis program they put on and i'm able to access their maps and they have lidar on there so it really shows good train features and saddles and pinch oh, points man, and you stuff. Got, you're so, supposed to say you're on deer cast you got to get in the deer cast i know mode. well i mean i'll sell you after this podcast and i'll show you all i awesome use deer cast a lot oh you yeah, do okay yeah but i mean i just i work with wiu so i use and ha- access okay. their maps all the time too so okay. it's just any map i can get yeah oh you know, yeah any, anything that shows any features like that it's a big for sure it's a big help for sure yep yeah i think that's uh it's, it's not that part's not overlooked I mean that's some that's some of the easiest work you can do is study maps. Oh yeah. Now knowing what you're looking for while you study the maps, but it also goes back to putting in the work. Right. You know, knowing the terrain you're hunting, you can get, you know, on the ground floor research and then it makes your map research exactly. a little easier. Yeah, exactly. So I mean that's where the end of that twenty twenty two deer season, you know, rolling into twenty three, you're doing that with your maps on your phones. I mean, you're you know, you're checking pinch points, you're pinning them on your phone, yeah. travel corridors, bedding areas, all those things. For you sure. Know, you're you're learning, right? I mean, if yeah. you're not learning, you're not gonna be that successful. You're going backwards. You're going backwards. You gotta learn. You gotta take every opportunity to learn this podcast, all the resources we have, yeah. you know, all the people that we have. I mean, everybody just has incredible information and you know I know Mark Jury even listens to these and will take any information he hears from me or you or anybody mm-hmm. and to help him be more successful. So, I mean, yep. is anybody that can give you that, you know, edge is for sure is, is well, what you're looking for. Well, I like, okay, so if we're breaking this down into like John Foreman's big buck steps. One is put in the hard work. Yep. Okay. What, where's number two take us? Okay. So number two is also a simple one. Okay. Um, what's your goal? Ooh, that is a, that's a very, so obvious, so necessary, though. So 
Yeah, I mean, give my, me an example. My goals, you know, been on a sliding scale. It's, you know, it's changed over the years. So when I first started, it was to eight years old, harvest a deer with a bow. I mm-hmm. did that. Um, moving into, I think I could drive. Um, you know, I think I was just sixteen. I, I shot my first buck, so that was my goal. Like, look, I'm going to shoot a buck with my bow. It's in the thirties. It just pope. You know, just made pope and young. Perfect. Uh, it's just clean eight. It's a cool deer. Looking back, it's probably a three or four year old deer, but it's yeah. fine. It's great for my first deer for sure. And so then my goal, you know, was just to start shooting bucks consistently mm-hmm. and i started doing that consistently 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 and then i kind of got stuck in a rut and like i was shooting a lot of nice deer in like the 40s and 50s mm-hmm. like consistently like two every year yeah and um i just wasn't okay with that after a while just it, it, i don't want to sound wrong but it almost became a little boring to expected me. and kind of like baseline I, to yeah you i just a little knew bit. that i have a stand that i call the buck stand and if you go sit there between the 4th and the 15th, you're going to kill one of those deer. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, like, I just know, like, I knew, like, I'm going to kill. If you kill, just parked your ass there, you're going to kill. You're going to kill a 50s class deer. Almost okay. every year. So, let me let me uh, unpack that a little bit. Okay. Because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking where I'm at a little bit with everything you just said. So, um, there was a transition spot in your growth as a deer hunter to get you to find that spot that was that good. Right. And then it worked for you, and it almost kind of enabled you to not grow more. I mean, you did grow. Well, you did grow because you're killing deer you wanted to kill, right? And you killed a lot of them. And then now you're like, okay, where's the next step? Okay, so when I was, this brings me back to college. So it was when I was in college, and I was I was in that step where I was just slamming fifties class deer all the time. Mm-hmm. And we started going to shows, you know, whatever all the classics around. And I met, yeah. I, obviously, you know, you're watching all the guys, or you're meeting all the guys. You start, you know, watching on prime time yep. and all all the videos. And one of the guys I always looked up up to is Mark. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just a great guy, he's a humble guy. He's always killing big deer. Yeah. And uh, you know, had a chance to talk with him a little bit at one point years ago. Was probably, I was thinking about that. It's probably ten or twelve years ago. It was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's the one you know he said well what's your goal and i was like well i want to kill deer like you're killing what what, what the hell are you doing mm-hmm. you know and, <laughs> tell, me. Uh, tell me yeah and you know i started showing him some of my deer and he goes well that that's you know i'm telling him i want to kill 60s 70s class deer and he's like well those aren't 60s and 70s class deer and i'm like yeah i get it so I, it's so straight up yeah but I, it's, you need it's, that you yeah know? that's what i needed and so i wasn't I, I mean i was okay that he said that but for a long time like i still wasn't okay like passing those deer Mm-hmm. Like I had to graduate, like I had to, I had to move through that. Yeah. And so, you know, I won't forget when I shot my first high sixties class deer, you know, that was, yeah, there's a, a stud there's, buck. There, there's a major difference between a mid fifties and a mid sixties. For sure. Like there's a major difference. Yeah. And it's just a totally different animal. For, you know, it definitely I, is. I think it was a five-year-old. I really, at that time, I really wasn't tracking like their age and stuff, but I'm pretty confident it was in yeah. that five or six range. And so that really you know, that kind of fueled the fire. Mm-hmm. And um, so basically, you know, I set my goal. Like I want to start killing mature deer and like mature is different to every single person. So for me, like my goal was like five years old. Like I wanted to tar- start targeting five-year-old deer. Yeah. And so I did that and I was killing a lot of nice five-year-old deer. And then I, you know, like anything in life, I tried to raise the bargain. So mm-hmm. now I want to try to kill six-year-old deer, which is harder because there's not a lot of six-year-old deer yeah. where, I, where I'm at. Um, but not a lot anywhere. <laughs> not a lot anywhere. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, I think you have to make that personal decision to uh, find your goal and then stick with it. So what took you from 
the next step to the 60s, 70s step or whatever we want to call it when you kind of graduated out of that, like, there's my primo spot. I have confidence. If I just park there, I'll kill one. What what did you do different to graduate out and like elevate from there? I took a risk and I passed a big deer and I didn't catch up to him until two years later where he was a mega. Oh. So I passed him when he was in the 70s. I want to say, I'm just guessing he was... I know, and people think. No, I'm not crazy. hating. I'm not hating. I'm commit. I'm. It's I'm, cool. I got to find the trail photo. I got a trail photo of him walking by me, and I'm in the background in my tree, like ready to shoot. It's just a big just year. a mega. Just okay, a, it's his 70s, you know. Yeah. And I think he was. Five, I'm pretty sure he was five. Okay. And uh, but I just knew he had the potential. Like he had everything. He had the mass, the tines, everything. Mm-hmm. And so that deer at age five was just a stud, and I passed him, and I don't really know why because it's 70s class deer. Like that's kind of crazy. But I just like. I want, to, I want to see what he turns into. Yeah, well. You know, and I hear Mark and all the other guys talk about they're bigger when they get old. Yeah. So let's see what let's see what happens here. And I know damn well, like, every neighbor's going to shoot that deer. Oh, yeah. You know, and I yeah. and I wouldn't knock them. Like, it's a good deer. No, yeah. So. I see. I'm following you. I'm not hating on you. Yeah, I don't yeah. think anybody else is. You're elaborating on why you passed it. Yeah, so. so and then the, the following year, I was hunting another good deer, upper 80s class deer, and I ended up killing him at the end of the season. And I didn't get a chance to catch up to that deer that I passed the former year that was in the 70s. Well, the following year. After you passed him. After I passed him. So two years later. Okay, I got you. Two, two years, years later, later. He's seven. And he is a mega. Well, so what do you do the year after you passed him? Uh, he went up into the 80s. Okay. Like just clean. Progressing, progressing. Like mid 80s. Like okay. mid year. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then he blew up at age seven. Like, how, how are we talking? He, oh, he went 200. Really? Mm-hmm. So t- let's talk about it. So, yeah, I mean, that's I, I killed that deer at age seven. That's the buck you killed. That's the buck I killed at age seven. And uh, I knew he was there. <laughs> oh, this is a good story. I knew he was there. Uh, he was on the farm. I saw him. as It was in a, a bean field that summer, and when they're in velvet, and they're 200 inches. They look more insane. They just look like an elk. I mean, <laughs> And yeah. I was like, oh, boy. I knew, I knew where he's at. I've hunted him for two years. I knew exactly where he was. I know I know his travel patterns. I know everything. I don't need to put a trail camera on that farm. Anybody that knows me, and this doesn't apply to everybody's farm, but applies to a lot of farms I hunt because they're pressured around. Mm. So, like, my thing is, like, the best food plot's no pressure. Like, that's what I say. Yeah. And so, like, I, my thing I like for this that. deer was, yeah, that's what that's my saying. Um, this deer was very sensitive to human pressure. And I just know that from the history I had with him. So, basically, I had to just, like, I'm, I'm not putting trail cameras on the farm. I'm not doing anything. Like, there's, like, no food plots. There's, like, literally zero pressure for this deer. Like, that was my goal. I want Like, my you didn't want to mess around in there or nope, do nothing. Nothing. Like I literally wanted my neighbors to pressure him. I wanted this farm's like 123 acres. I wanted uh, that deer to basically call that his core. Gotcha. I know okay. that if he did that, I'd have an opportunity to kill him. But mm-hmm. here's the thing: <clears throat> um, this deer was just like all big bucks. They have different personalities. This one was just like sensitive to everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so it was November third, and for for the stand that I was going to kill him in, if I was going to have an opportunity, I had to have a south southwest wind, not southwest, not south southwest. Had very to be south southwest. It had to it, it hits my wind, it hits my back, it dumps dumps over this big ravine. I had to have a south southwest wind, not southwest, not west. Had to be south southwest. Okay. And so I'd waited all year. I have not hunted that farm, not one time. Dude, the best well, the best food 3rd. plot is no pressure. The best food plot's no pressure. That's my thing. Okay. Everybody knows me knows that saying. So you're holding out. You know there's a two hundred and whatever inch deer on this farm 
and you haven't hunted it because you're holding out for the one wind. I'm watching deer cast. Deer cast is my thing. I'm yeah. watching deer cast. You know, I might have had a wind that was decent on a day that said bad or okay. I don't mm -hmm. you know. It's earlier in the year. It's October. Like, I can't. So coming in, The formula wasn't all that. The formula wasn't there. I was just like, you know, I just, I'm going to hold out. Mm -hmm. November 3rd rolls around. It's raining. Okay. It rained all through the night of November 3rd going into the morning of November 4th. And it's, it's still raining. I'm watching the radar. I'm in my garage. I have a South Southwest wind. It's November 4th. Mm. That's the fourth and the seventh have been my days. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I had like an instinct. Like I knew I was going to kill that deer that day. I was nervous. I was, I was nervous. I was literally in my garage pacing back and forth, talking to my buddies, looking at the radar. It was still raining and I'm just, I'm pacing back and forth. I'm pacing back and forth. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my God, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was like, it stopped raining about, it didn't stop. Like I headed to the farm about 11 right before noon. Mm -hmm. And I got up in the tree. It was like 1145. I literally took a Snapchat, arranged a couple things and, uh, I looked up and here he came. No kidding. High noon. I killed that buck. That's awesome. He came, he was on the run. I just ranged at 31 yards and I started to draw on him. I drew back on him and for whatever reason, he turned and walked right to me at 12 yards. And there's like a little twig that was probably not in the way, yeah. but I really wasn't going to risk it. So I literally did like, if you're in the gym and you do a squat, yeah. like I literally did a squat at full draw and I stopped that deer at 12 yards and, <laughs> and I mean, just the perfect shot, just instantaneous, like smoke show. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no doubt in your mind that oh, he's pumping both sides. Do you watch him go down? Oh, he ran like 50 yards and he turned and looked at me like, you got, got me. No kidding. And he stood there and I'm like, how is he still standing? And he's starting to get wobbly and he dumped over. And I literally went, I was freaking out. I bet you I, were. And I was freaking out. It's a stud. And um, yeah, I mean, I got down, went right to him and, you know, sent the Snapchat to everybody. I haven't been in the stand for 35 <laughs> minutes. That's awesome. You know, but I've killed the last several bucks of that age caliber at that, yeah. you know, at between 11 and two. Well, I like the way you like you described the, the type of day it was because everyone, if they've deer hunted, you know that type of day. Oh, man. It's a beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. You want to be out there. Yeah. And commit to it. My so, buddy was headed. You know, he's like, I'm going grocery shopping. I'm not going out this early. And like, he just got back from unloading the groceries. And I called him. He goes, I know you haven't killed a buck yet. And I go, dude, I, I don't want to ask you not to go hunting on November <laughs> 4th, but you, you got to come. You ain't going you, hunting. You got to come. Yeah. And he's like, I'm on the way. So it was cool. That's awesome, yeah, man. That's a great story. Oh, boy. It was just a so how, how big was he? What did he go? Not that the inches matter, but just... I mean, I think he, he, he uh, grows 204. That's a stud. 204 on November 4. Yep. That's awesome, deer. man. It's a good deer. So you're putting in the work, man. It's it's You pass that buck that you set your goal. Yep. Stage two. And by the way, we didn't map out this step one through five program no, we before didn't. we were yeah. just winging this. Um, but that's... I was just was curious, you know, like... Because I feel like I'm... I got a buck in the high 60s. It's a good deer. And I'm I feel like I'm on deer that are bigger. Um so I, I feel like I'm I'm I got my cap and gown on. But I I'm somewhere in between. But also my biggest fault man is my own brain cuz I just like to shoot deer. Yeah. So like I hear you. if I don't have a deer that will go that way or I can't find one, I'm just like anything good enough, I'm you know, I'll set my goal, I just want to shoot a deer. Yeah, and that's you know, I mean, that's everybody's got their own thing, you know. Yeah. For me it's it's weird just But I want to kill John Foreman type bucks. Well, <clears throat> then you have to be okay with not killing bucks. I know. And I just because like shooting them, man. If you that that's where I, I really learned from that experience 
you know, if I kill a deer in the one seventies, I'm potentially killing my next 200 inch deer. Yeah. So yeah, and, and that, that also applies to deer that are 150. Like if your goals, I want to kill a 170, you know, you kill them at 150 is never going to be 170, right? Yep. So you got to help yep. yourself. You know, you can't Absolutely. control outside factors like disease or your neighbors or cars, whatever, yep. but you can control yourself. Hard to swallow pills. It's a hard to swallow pill. Cause due to 170, man, you know, mid 170s, whatever you're saying, it's like, whew. I'm getting the itch though. I didn't kill anything last year. Yeah. I passed. I was thinking about that on the way up here. I passed six deer in the fifties and two in the sixties. Yeah. That's a year, man. And I sent a couple of those Snapchats to Chandler and he's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> you know, he's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, it's funny is like, I'm hoping those deer survived. I know two, I know I three mean, of them died. Three of them did. Three of them died. Neighbors I, I, or? I found two of them. Oh, really? Season dead. Yeah. Like so. EHD or just no, shot? I think shot, probably. Yeah, like drives and didn't yeah, know they got Deer hit. drives, didn't know they hit them. Or See, whatever. what I love about that, like, exchange with you and Chandler, because he's, like, <laughs> the WCB resident, like, calculated killer. Like, him and Ross oh, yeah. are, you know? Oh, yeah, they're um, So it's funny to see Ross, or uh, Austin, like, say that to somebody else, which, you know, I think he suffers from a little bit of what I suffer from. Like, we like to shoot stuff. Oh, yeah. And I'll admit it more than he will. <laughs> He's a little more reserved. He's he's a killer though. Now he's a killer. Well, yeah, he's, he's a killer. A big buck killer for sure. Big he's killed killer. some studs. Oh, um, so he's. I'm not saying that I'm on the same level as Austin. I'm not, but I feel like mindset is um, more alike than like the gap from Austin to your mindset of like passing high seventies buck. You know. Well, that was a tough pass. I'm not, but for the record i don't want you to feel like i'm talking negatively towards you for oh, no. that like no. i am praising you because that's what it takes and, I, and there's gonna be people listening and watching that are gonna say this guy's crazy well with that being said if a neighbor would have killed that deer i would have been sick you know if he would have killed him the year i passed him at 70s ouch you're being honest I, i'm being honest. who wouldn't i would have been sick yeah you know because i don't have i've got a few 70s class deer but i don't have like 20 of them right you know so yeah. uh it would have been a tough pill to swallow. So yeah, I mean, you, you, you're th literally throwing the dice out on the table. But like I said, you can only control yourself. You can only control so, Hey, I love it, man. This is going to stew in my brain this season, but uh, your boy likes shooting deer <laughs> too much. <laughs> but uh, if you think about it, you know, you, you reference, you know, uh, Ross and Austin and me and you and Mark, everybody, those two things that we've talked about, everybody, you know, those guys all put in the hard work. Ross, yeah. Ross, he doesn't kill big deer. Austin, they don't kill big deer by not putting in the hard work, and they both have goals, for sure. You know, and and same with all of us. You know, so yeah. I think it's good to identify that stuff. Well, you know, when you see like a common trait, like the hard work, for sure. But I think it's easy for someone who doesn't realize like what type of hard work to put in, like where to put it in. That they see like, oh yeah, this podcast. You know, Austin killed a one seventy, and Ross killed a two hundred two, or John killed a two hundred four, and then you know that goes on and on. They're like, man, the consistently, but it just goes back to like, you figure out what you got to do to be your type of successful, and you know, there's give and take there too a little bit, but um, it's just calculated. But what what I love about this conversation with you is last week we had Nick Morris on from Drury and he's killed some studs and he uh he takes a very um I'm downplaying this a little bit go listen to the episode if you have it but he takes a almost uh Dirk are stupid and lazy you just got to not be scared to go after them and find them to a point but um but I I told him on the podcast like that hurts my feelings a little bit I was like because they're not stupid but, but he's like, maybe we give them more credit than they deserve to a point. I think to his point, I do think we overthink it a lot. 
That's what we talked about. Okay, and I and, think and we overthink it a lot. Agreed, hundred percent. But like, you, you know, but he also he's a smart dude. You know, there's exceptions to every rule. Like you, you know, that deer is sensitive to pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a personality thing. There's different personalities in different deer. He and said he's, a, something interesting. I'm curious what your take on it. He says that uh, he he didn't know what study it was, but they whoever they is said deer are as smart as labs. Really, I never heard that before. I've, n- I've never heard that. It's interesting to think about it's it that way. To think about it. <laughs> some deer are very smart. Some are. Some are very smart, and so, some are. Some don't care. Yeah. yeah, I, I think mean, some some don't get by with more. Yeah, they will. They will. Yeah, you know. So it's interesting. I think it depends on where you hunt too. Hundred percent. I mean, you know, if you're more around a residential area, I think those deer let you get away with a few more things. Yeah, they're used to seeing more. But deer dude, you know, we got some. You know, you, you get east of Ohio. A lot of those listeners scream at us when I think when we get to talking about this. But you know what I learned? We did a ex- uh, social media experiment where we kind of uh, we made a fake statement and we had a guy on from TikTok and we said Missouri is the hardest place to hunt in the world. Obviously, we we it was satire. I, yeah, I saw that. We yeah. made the joke to fire people up. Right. And what I learned is. Everybody in the comments thinks wherever they hunt is the hardest place to hunt. Oh. And my and my response was, yeah, it's hard. It, everywhere it's hard. Everywhere it's hard. It, it's all relative. But everywhere is hard. And those animals aren't, they don't want to die. Nope. No, who does? So, <laughs> so anyway. Okay. So if we get back on track okay, here, yeah, I love track. this conversation so much. Like I could run this type of conversation in circles forever. Yeah, and that's why this podcast is never going to die. <laughs> There's a couple other things, though. A couple. No, other. let's. I want to keep going. I'm okay, not in. Keep going. I'm so, want to get if like if we were to go to step three, if okay, we're on a step, step three program here. <laughs> okay, step three. Uh, so one of the things that you and I talked about at Bear Camp, mm-hmm. um, I was telling you a little bit about my agronomics business. So I started yep. out my career. I'm an ag guy, so I started out my career um, in the agriculture world. So mm-hmm. essentially, I created a company that allowed me to do research in experimental products coming to the market, such as like fungicides, insecticides, biostimulants, stuff like that. Essentially, every company out there is looking for the next roundup, right? Okay. So they're looking for that next multi-billion dollar product that's going to work to... Be the standard in everyone's practice. Right. Yep. So I formed a company and we were doing some trial work and it was interesting, you know, they will drop ship these products and it's all classified confidential information and they drop ship you these products and they'll be like okay you're going to spray this product between v2 and v5 in corn and they just have certain requirements of and so you collect all this data plant tissue samples send them to labs and you know yield data and all a lot of information you gather and send it off okay and so it kind of led me to start doing some my own personal trials on my own farms with my own food plots and you know like all of us you know, working class guys were on a budget, right? Mm-hmm. And so one year, um, I was on a I was on a little bit tighter budget, and I was doing the research side of things for the company, and then I started doing some re- research side of things on my own farm. And like I said, I was on a budget, so you know, I'm a soil sample nerd. Like I like to yeah. do at least every, if not every year, every other year. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I've got one plot that's seven acres, and so it's like it was calling for. A lot of fertilizer and that year fertilizer was cashy and so Mm -hmm. i said okay you know what i hunt down here at the northern end of the farm like let's dump like the correct amount of fertilizer on that portion of the field and then let's like back off to half the rate on this side of the field and that kind of give me an idea of you know if it really changes things it was corn that year so i could do you know yield count and see and oh yeah i could pull some ears and, and do yield count and so it was interesting because 
over the course of that hunting season, I was able to watch the deer just gravitate towards the side of the field that, you know, had the correct amount of fertilizer. So mm -hmm. the plant was healthier. I, just, I think it tasted better to the animals. Yeah. It tasted better to the deer. And so that kind of left me thinking about some things like, wow, okay, this is interesting. I mean, they went ahead and ate the other part of the field out yeah. of the year, but you know, they preferred yeah, the northern half of the field. So it kind of left me thinking like, <clears> how <throat> can I create an environment for these deer that they feel safe, that they prefer? So I'm already noticing like, okay, they like, you know, having the plant taste, you know, it's healthy, it's, it tastes better. And so I started screening you know, to create a, a safer environment for them. And then it was actually, it, it was during the summer that I, I kind of came up with an idea. Uh, me and some buddies were out fishing. Mm -hmm. And uh, my buddy Kyle, he was, he's bothered by the little gnats. Yeah. The bugs everywhere. Yeah, I'm Like who's not, right? Yeah, I'm the I worst mean, with them. I was dying in Canada. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Canada was terrible. It's a, it's a problem. Well, okay, answer me this. So if you could have found a, a spot in Canada where you could hunt where there were no mosquitoes, I'd be there. You'd be there. Yeah, hundred percent. That triggered my mind. So going back to that, I'm going. Hmm. If I could, you see deer all the time. You know. Yeah. Moving their head around, they're scratching themselves. They're, yeah. They're bothered by the bugs too. For sure. Yeah. So I thought, hmm, what if I can create a space where they're comfortable? No bugs. Mm. I'm doing research on insecticides. Let's spray half of my food plot with that insecticide. Yeah. Let's see if. That works. I see where you're going. Now, all of a sudden, the deer started gravitating towards that. So I'm going, huh, this is cool. That's so, the next level thought process on your food pots. Well, yeah. But it makes, but it also makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, you just said you would go to that area where there's no mosquitoes. You're not being bothered. You're able to eat in peace, right? Yeah. And so that was kind of like, wow, that was a, a light bulb moment for me. And, yeah. and so since that day, I spray like all my clover, alfalfa, all my beans yeah. corn everything with you know insecticide and it kind of last was it last year or the year before we had the big army worm problem yeah, yeah yeah two years ago two years ago yep i had zero problems okay see that's all right i don't know if you know this because you just know a lot about food plots i heard rumor that at night you can hear them eating oh you definitely can for real at nighttime you can hear the corn growing too i don't know what that is really yeah go go out in chandler's cornfield you hear that corn growing at nighttime really in july august oh yeah I, I don't know if I know that sound. You'll know it. Okay, maybe I will. <laughs> maybe I'm just immune to it. I probably can't hear that. Yeah, but you can hear the army worms feeding. See, that's crazy. And I heard it's moths, right? Yeah. It's moth larvae? Yeah, it's a larva, and then, then they turn into worm. And they, God, what, they what do we do to prevent that? Insecticide. I mean, what like what causes them to come up here, though? Because they, they come was, from the it, south, it right? from the south. I don't like know storms? a ton about them. Yeah, I think it was a storm that brought it up. But all the people around me, everybody around me, all their food plots were it literally looked like they were sprayed with Roundup. So is it is it something that you put down beforehand? Or is I it spray it twice a year. Twice a year. And right now, uh, again at Bear Camp, one of the things that I'm concerned about this year is EHD. Because we're extremely dry in my area. We haven't had rain since Bear Camp. We barely well, just had enough little. rain to even germ any of my plots. Yeah. I'm and nervous. so my beans are up, you know. Corn's not looking great. All the corn's rolled up coming up here. So yeah. my ponds are low. They're all like two, three feet low. And so it's a perfect environment for HD, EHD this year. Yeah. So what I'm doing is I'm spraying all my ponds and everything with insecticide. Nice. I mean, hopefully. Your savior. Oh, well, you try. You got to try, right? It goes back to that hard work part of things. I talked work. about number one thing, hard yeah. work. See, that's something, man, I might end up bouncing a lot of questions off of you because I get, 
and I've I've admitted this from day one when it comes to food plot stuff and chemicals and what to spray and how to spray it and mm-hmm. like I don't do soil tests like I should do. Right. You know, it's important. And, and and I know that. And I'm now I'm a slowly acquired more equipment that'll easier allow me to put the work in to right. take care of what I want to do. Um, but man, I think you're gonna be annoyed by me because it's like you know I need to get all this info off. Like, what do I need to spray here? When? How? This? Like, how to apply it? You know, I'm learning all this. In real time, really, if you listen to the podcast. We've so. got, I mean, I, I I do this. Like I that's one of the other things that I do is I set up farms for guys. So we we do this on a daily basis, it's not a problem. So you're like doing consulting stuff we too. We do we do a small a bit of consulting here in our area. Yep. See, that's awesome, man. Yep. It's yeah, just, that stuff, the the knowledge you know and just from doing your own research, uh, your own research and company research is that's valuable. It's valuable. It's a, you know, I when I started I never thought that it would be valuable in hunting yeah and it was like wow this is, this is you know for sure when, the more you know about agronomics the better man it can save you money it's pretty you know, cool time. yeah it's cool i love the the spraying for bugs because you know like, try it when you think about it it's like uh, how big a difference would it make but man if you ever not get bothered by bugs that's got to be amazing right for them they're never out of it they're never out of it create an environment where they feel safe where they feel comfortable they're gonna go there i love it that's a good that's a white tail hack try a little it. bit it is a white tail hack try it I like that a lot. Do, do, does anyone ever have to worry about um, insecticide hurting? Yeah, so you plants? need to talk to your local co-op and see, you know, what insecticide you can spray. I mean, those guys, I'm sure you're getting where, you know, all your seed, whatever your local co-op, just talk mm-hmm. to them and say, hey, you know, I want to spray insecticide on this plant. Try it. Okay. Is a lot of it general purpose too? Yeah, it's like general purpose. It'll handle like most mm-hmm. bugs. And yep. Cool. Yeah. That's that's a good whitetail hack. Yeah. I like that one. That's a first, I think, in the WCB library really? that I remember. If, if someone said it before, my bad, but <laughs> I don't remember it yeah. coming up. We do it. It works well for us. For the it's uh, EHD and stuff, that's caused by a midge, right? It's, it's a like midge. a gnat. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, right there, that's like the best thing you could be doing. Spray I imagine. Around, spray around your ponds. I mean, you can't spray around every water source, but. Right, but the ones you can. The ones you can. They almost need it. to get those little yellow airplanes for crop dusting and just. Smoke but, it all. Yeah. But you know, people don't care about that's another thing. People who don't deer hunt don't care about deer. They don't. And they that the argument bed. is that we don't care about deer because we want to kill deer. It's right. quite the opposite. It is quite the opposite. Well, uh, we do have a little bit of time. Do we have a number four and okay. five? Number I have a number four for sure. Okay. It, it's a four step program we meant from the beginning. <laughs> well, see, I have I have a lot of steps. More four, steps will come out on the next episode. Here's another one that's a little bit controversial. Okay. Okay. Controversial, I like. Okay. So it can get it can get spicy. It can, okay, and it might. Um, the, the hunting the hunting game has become very competitive mm-hmm. and very secretive. Mm-hmm. And competitive's fine, you know. Like, but secretive, I, I just don't buy into that. So again, like I said from the very beginning, I own eighty acres. If you own the eighty next to me, guess what? We're hunting the same deer. Hunting the same deer. Yep. So it has worked out very well for me to try to form a cooperative of guys, meaning my neighbors, and just get them on board. And so I share, I have, I'm an open book. Here are the deer Mm. I'm going to hunt. Here are the deer I'm not going to hunt. And try to get them on board with hunting those same deer. Yeah. If I can get them on board with hunting those same deer, my farms just go to the next level. That's a really good tip. I create um, just like a shared album. We just all drop pictures in there. And oh. We all just go, hey, these are the deer we're going to hunt. These are the deer that are off limits. Because a lot of guys will go, I mean, I'm going to shoot the deer before Kurt shoots it. Yeah. Just so I don't that's, shoot it. That's common. That's common. Nowadays. That's what I'm saying. So competitive and so secretive. Like, 
like, do you remember the days when you go to like Farm King or whatever that store was and you see your bragging, but you see all the, like what happened to all that? Like, right. Like, so like I often think about like, why did I get into the sport? I have fun. Like, yeah. And it's fun to have that relationship and you know, yeah. just help your neighbors. Yeah. I agree with that too, because especially some people get pull a short straw and have a kind of a, a D bag for a neighbor and they can't help that. But yeah, if their neighbors are hunting and they care about hunting, they care about deer the same way. That's a great tip to get them all on board. And, and neighbors that I do have, or, or at least the neighbors I know, well, some I don't know the neighbors or whatever on some of the ground I can hunt, but uh, the ones I do know are great dudes. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> hey, you know this deer? Yeah, I do know about them. Or, hey, have you seen this? Like a buck I hunted that's hanging in the studio. I guess, you know, we talked like, hey, have you seen that deer in a while? <clears throat> nope. I'm like, well, what's the last truck in picture, you guys? Like, here's mine, November 12th. Here's mine, November 12th. Same yep. day. Same day. And I'm like, well, then he had to have died somewhere in that range yeah. but from something. Exactly. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, I agree. It When it applies, for sure, that's the best policy. So last year I was hunting, one of the deer I was targeting last year was a mid-70s deer, 75, 70, 76, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. The year before he was 167 inches. I know that because I have both of his sheds. Yeah. And I passed him six times on video like walking by me. You got all the info you need. <laughs> I got all the info I need. I mean, I've sent it to all my neighbors. I'm like, like I'm holding up my end of the, the bargain here. Like, here yeah, like, yeah. Cause we all agreed to pass that deer. And so that gave me the opportunity to hunt that deer the following year. I didn't know if he's going to be eighties, nineties, what he was going to be, but yeah, he, he, you know, he's mid seventies, which is good deer. And it also made you were being honorable. So that if someone else shot it, there, real, yeah, a real D right. Deer cast appropriate. Deer cast appropriate. Yeah. yeah. But you know, it, it gave me the opportunity to hunt that deer last year. I had him at 34 yards quartering to me and I won't take that shot. No. Yeah. Uh, my neighbor ended up killing him. So I'm fine with that. Yeah. You know, I'm fine with that. We all passed him. We all agreed to pass him and he killed him. So good for him. Yeah, for sure. That's part of the deal. It's part of the deal. I like it. That's great advice, man. It's all the stuff that you presented. What I like about the angle of it is it's not like you weren't, methodical with like the tactics of it which i do enjoy that side of things but um it's very this is the this is stuff anybody can do exactly and that's like well that's as really accumulates into an easy button um but it's it's not easy but there it is we need an easy button we need an easy button just there's a big buck help me find it where do i put my stand but but this all adds into the recipe of like what the easy buzz button would be made out of you just got to put some time into it. Put your time in. A little bit of sweat. Goal. You're going to have to tick your wife off in the summer when she wants to do this. You should be working doing you, something. You not, have, all, you not have, every time. Not every time. You can't do it every time. Not every time. But you have to make sacrifices. For sure. Buddy's got to go to the lake. You got to go prep your food plots. Just mm-hmm. how it is. You know, and ah, it's just part of the deal. How much time do we have left? Hey, uh, we own the show. I've got, I've, I just <laughs> thought of another one. I just yeah, gonna, bring I it on, man. Okay. So, we're good. We're good. Number five. Okay, number five. There is a five There's step a program. Five. Well, yes, yeah, it is now five. <laughs> okay, um, it's perfect. Early on in my food plotting career, if you will, like mm-hmm. I, like early on when I got equipment and farms where I could plant food plots, I'm like, the more the better. Yeah. So I had a lot of food plots spread out everywhere, and it was just almost like having a Seven Eleven on every corner. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just yeah. like you just spread. I spread my deer out too much. So mm-hmm. now I tend to focus on one or two core food plots that are just where it needs to be yeah i know that's, that's again it's very simple it's funny i love this because i i guy fit in austin yelled at me for this oh did he yeah so uh i got access to this piece and i you know in the spots where i could conservatively i could put plots and i'm like oh i got a tractor and a mower and you know i got a little tiller and 
I'm gonna put a bunch of food plots in. Yeah. So I put a bunch that. of little just quarter here, yeah. eighth here, just all over. Yeah, it'll keep them around. That's what I thought too. It, and maybe it did, but it just made them impossible to hunt. Right. And that's what I did. I I juggled. Um. And Austin came in. He's like, I like. What, I see what you're going for. Mm-hmm. He goes, but uh, do this. And then I'm like, okay, perfect. So uh, I'm on to the one big attraction rather than having four small attractions. Yep. Main event. One main one prime time spot. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm I've got one seven acre food plot on one farm, one six acre food plot on another, and it works out really well. Yeah. I wish I could go big like that. I just don't have the room. But yeah. But uh, maybe one day. Well, yeah, you never know. I'm growing into it. There you go. Dude, I've been upgrading my farm equipment, man. I had a. Jeez, I had a John, an old John Deere 650. Oh, a 650? Those are good tractors. Yeah, it was a good tractor, yeah. all gear-driven and just yeah. a, an arm. It was like a little tank. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could yeah. put that thing in one and hop off it, and it, it would never <laughs> quit driving, you know? And then uh, I bought a little Kubota, like a 22-horse diesel with okay. a bucket. So I got a bucket, now I can move logs. Oh, yeah, you can push stuff. And then I'm at food a... food plots with that. Yeah, I, I yeah. did. I put food plots and, you know, tilled with it. It was great. And then we got a little farm, my wife and I did. And, you know, a couple permission pieces that allowed me to put in food plots. And then I had uh, <laughs> Tyler from Central Illinois Ag came up to me at the uh, Illinois Deer Classic, and he's a listener. And he goes, hey, you need to buy a tractor. I'm like, I got a tractor. <laughs> he goes, no, you need a red tractor. Hey, I got a red tractor. And I worked at John Deere, too, so it's, it's oh. kind of funny. But I don't I do not do whatever. Like, John Deere didn't give me one. So uh, <laughs> thanks, John Deere. Thanks, John Deere. But I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, yeah? I was like, I kind of am in the market, kind of. And he goes, well, come on down. We'll, we'll talk, you know, and then we get talking. I'm like, well, I need this for my Kubota. He goes, all right, we'll just talk. We'll figure something out. And he ended up hustling me and made a deal. So I got a little 35A Ooh, case, nice. and I love it. I got a 45C, so same thing, basically. Yeah, I was going to go 35C, but to me, the I mean, it's just a trim package pretty much and some it's features. Obvious, but uh, it's so far, it's oh, a, that's a great tractor. That's, that's a perfect awesome. size. Yeah, it know? feels like a tractor. It feels like a tractor. It's, I can move can stuff. I can, be, till I can with it. till with it. Pick up box blinds with the forks. Yep. So I got um, a, a, a brush hog, six-foot brush hog with it. So I got a pretty big one for that That's tractor. Um, tiller, six-foot tiller, and forks. There you go. That's all it, you need. It's awesome. I mean, that's will change your food plotting experience, just having that machine. Yeah. I mean, you know, things are just easy. You can get a little, you have a little sprayer for it? No, I got one on my Ranger, though. I oh, got something rigged up on the Ranger. That'll work just fine. Yeah. But, so I'm big time in now. Hey, that's what it takes, man. I mean, again, going into you're putting in the hard work. Yeah. You're going to be successful. Look at your season last year. Yeah. You know, we're going to try so. and button down and go bigger. Well, set your goal. We're going to try. Yeah. I don't want to set my goal yet. <laughs> I have my goal in my head, but I just don't want to commit to it on this podcast. They're starting to, I've been seeing some really good velvet deer. Dude, I know. I, uh, around. I actually, I've been playing the, uh, I got nothing. Well, I do have food, or I do have cameras out, but I've been doing the uh, no pressure. After this next week, all my cameras are going to go back out. I got to get my cameras out. Well, my some of them, some of them are out, but I've I've got to get all my stands trimmed out yet. Yeah, I got to do all that, on that too. I'm slacking. I'll so. do it all like right around the Fourth of July span, and then I will not mess with anything until it's go time. I've got ten blinds I have to put out next week. Ten. Ten grizzlies. Yeah, those are nice too. They are nice. Cream of the crop. Well, dude, I enjoyed this conversation. I need to keep uh bouncing my goals off you to hold me to the next standard, but man, I'm just uh I'm scared. No. <laughs> I, I call I call Austin all the time. Yeah. We, we bounce stuff off each other all the time. Okay. Well, I'm a a uh, I call a lot during hunting season to go over tactics. So I'll, I'll have to put you in the circle. That's what you're that's what your friends are for, man. That's right. 
Well, we're going to kill some deer this season, man. Thanks for... Um, I, I just love the, the angle on everything because it's attainable for everybody. Uh, that's In that's some way or another. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I know you're not big on the socials, but if people want to find you on Instagram or Facebook, where can they find you or yeah, anything else? Uh, yeah. Or consulting. You know, if someone wants to get some yeah, consulting. Yeah, I mean, my handle on Instagram's uh, foodplotdoc. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Um, I'm also on... I do TikToks, foodplotdoc, and I'm just John Foreman on Facebook. So. Perfect. Yep. Well, thanks, man. Awesome. Thank you. Everybody, thanks for tuning in and listening and watching on DeerCast. Get on DeerCast if you're not. Promo code in the description. And uh, it's time to start thinking whitetails. But first, Barathon Week here on WCB. We've never done Barathon Week, so the first uh, full-blown That's going to be fun. Deal. Yeah, it'll be a good time. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be fun. So thanks for supporting us. Go shoot a giant. We love you. Peace.